0: Welcome to Minority Corner, where we take an introspective look at the world through an intersectional lens. I'm James, he, him, his. I'm a queer, political, actor, activist, comedian, cancerian, self-proclaimed sexy blurred. That's a, uh, black nerd. And each week, I'm joined in the corner by another fabulous minority, where we tackle the news, pop culture... Politics, media, history, and more, all with a little self-care and self-love sprinkled throughout. This week, I'm joined by...
1: Hi, I'm Ben Randall, he, him. Uh, I am a theater director based in New York. My origin story is born in a theater, raised in a club. I'm someone you want on your trivia team if the questions are politics, theater history, or Madonna. Follow me on Ben Randall Theater, that is a D-L-E, and theater of the T-R-E. At Instagram uh, or BenRandall.com.
0: Yes, that's right. Ben Randall is back, which thank God, because he is going to be here to help us wade through the political forecast of the 2020 election and what we can do. But first, y'all, there is a new authorized Whitney Houston biopic by her estate. Yes, they have just green lit it, but. It's got us clutching our pearls because is this going to be truthful or fall short like the Bohemian Rhapsody and vilify her he- hidden queerness. We have pause. So we might be in quarantine and lockdown, but when it comes to Patty Lapone, the library is still open, y'all, and she is spilling the tea and she's throwing the shade in only the way that Patty Lapone can do. She was on watch what happens live, y'all, and Patty was being Patty and we love her for it. Oh, speaking of the state of TV, we need to talk about Wendy Williams. Like, what is going on? Like, more than usual, Wendy Williams live from her house. We might need to go. We might need to go do a courtesy check or a safety check. What are those things that you do when you check to make sure that the person's okay? We need to do that. And while some celebrities like Patti LaPone have no filter, there are some that Ben feels are too filtered. And then there are some who maybe need to be filtered. Ugh. Don't know if you saw Drag Race, but Jeff Goldblum may have stepped in it on one of the most recent episodes that have some raising the Islamophobia bells. But Was he Islamophobic or was he just asking a question about the art of drag? We get into it. In the main event, Ben Randall is going to walk us through the upcoming election, painting it as essentially our generation's Johnson versus Goldwater huge moment and how Biden actually may not be as bad as progressives think and he lets us know what are the key Senate races that are going to need our help that are absolutely dire for any progress to be able to happen we have to win the Senate I will tell you this this conversation with Ben Randall definitely got me amped and pumped and ready all hands on deck for this 2020 election so there's plenty of things for us all to do keep that fire going let's get into it right here on minority corner we're gonna learn laugh and play let's go Ben Randall's back. Hello. Yay. I feel like once we got you into the Minority Corner family, it was just like, every once in a while, we're like, we need a political check-in with Ben Randall. Hmm.
1: And I love that that is my, like, designated role on Minority Corner.
0: Usually when we're freaking out here in Minority Corner about politics, we bring you in to sort of help us to sort of reassess what's happening, how do we make sense of this, and what can we do? we
1: waste of the brush. Just, like, make a path. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because there's so much stuff to cut through. But before we get to that, I knew that you were coming on the show today, not because we had already scheduled it, but because when I was working out this morning, Madonna was just heavily in my rotation. I didn't do it. She's there just smathered around but my shuffle just kept playing Madonna and I was like oh because I'm gonna be hanging out with Ben Randall today
1: yeah, exactly speaking of preparing the way it just
0: was <laughs> it was getting that. me in the in the right sense of mind frame um speaking of Madonna Whitney Houston which is not Madonna but mm. they're both pop singers oh, yeah. so there is I want to get your temperature about this your thoughts on this so there's a Whitney Houston official autobiographical movie that's coming out now for me, I've seen all the Whitney story that I need to see. Cause I saw that amazing yeah. Whitney Whitney documentary that I thought, I thought I knew, but I had no idea and put the real gravitas and picture of Whitney of, you know, when the drug abuse had actually started the um, sexual abuse, she suffered as a child. I thought it was so well done. And so this, and that like, so a lot of times the Whitney Houston stuff that comes out, It's unofficial. The uh, head of the estates are not, uh, not, haven't greenlit it. But this one is being greenlit by them. I'm nervous that this will be not truthful.
1: Well, I had the same thought even with the documentary, Whitney. And that was supposedly, was that authorized? Because I know her mother took part in it. And I know that they... I think if I remember the story correctly, it had already premiered maybe at Sundance or something. And yeah. then the estate was like, hold up, if you're going to do this, we want to be a part of it. And then they right. joined it and kind of there were right. two competing documentaries and they picked this one and then they kind of contributed to it, which makes yeah. me wonder have they turned over a new leaf and now they feel as if they're fine speaking honestly about her life? I just wonder.
0: Mm. Yeah, because I believe it's the same people that did uh, Bohemian Rhapsody are pumping mm. out this one like everyone's trying to get that Oscar autobiographical song movie Which, money. That one's, so, that
1: one's full of inaccuracies, so it makes you kind of Yes. It's, it's kind of worrisome
0: <laughs> Which is, that's what has everybody in the community clutching their pearls because with Bohemian Rhapsody they're, like I'm glad the movie was made and it was, Bohemian Rhapsody, this version of it was better than the original one that was planned because the original one that the band members from Queen were wanting to make was going to take place after Freddie Mercury died. Uh. <laughs> like, what's our movie? What are we? What am I? Y'all are still
1: missing the point. <laughs> you out here with Adam Lambert thinking that's that's the jam?
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's just like, and to me, the the story. I don't think you you can't talk about a story about Whitney Houston without talking about again with the Whitney documentary so well of like laying the landscape down of the sexual abuse she suffered as a child, which then streamrolled into like the drug abuse that was happening at a very young age. That yes. Bobby Brown is alive because he couldn't keep up with her.
1: Yes, well, it started before Bobby Brown.
0: Yes, exactly. Started, yeah, like, that's... With, with it started like, with her brothers
1: on tour. Right. Um, and her brothers were going to procure drugs and they're doing them right after almost every gig. And, like, like very, was, I, I agree with you that it really laid out the, the landscape and really gave you an idea of how those, all those dots were connected. Yeah. And that actually, the, when you hear stories of her and, and the girlfriend she had for uh, uh, ten, eight years, yeah. 10 years, or whatever, oh, and you have the drug abuse starting much earlier. For a long time, it was like you couldn't reconcile that with Whitney. Right. But after seeing that documentary, you're like, oh, oh. no, no, no. Yeah you were an addict because of early childhood trauma. Right. And then you also were in the closet. Yes. Okay. Got it.
0: Yeah. And that, <laughs>
1: no, right? Suddenly you dying at the age of 49 makes uh, it's tra- uh, over a drug overdose actually makes yep. this was sadly inevitable.
0: Yeah. You're like, Oh got it. And so that's why like I get nervous when, so this one is being authorized and I don't, I don't know if the estate is really willing to tell that true story. I can just see it sort of being just sort of glitz and glamorized. And that's just sort of like, Oh, like she was, you know, what a great voice and Ooh, she struggled. And Oh man, she died. Like,
1: (laughs) well, actually, I mean, I I, I shouldn't phrase it as sadly inevitable. If anything, it sounds it's, it is a tragedy. Yeah. And that was even when you're watching the documentary, that's what it played like. It played like a brilliant talent Uh. that, because of early childhood trauma and because of addiction, yep. that was that was square at odds with her talent. And it's a way that we we're more comfortable speaking of, I say, Judy Garland that way. Mm. But with Whitney, I think you're right. There's still a need to make her triumphant. Right. Well, not that Judy Garland wasn't, not that Whitney Houston wasn't as well, but that like you're right. Are they going to be willing to let that story end sadly? Yeah. Or are they going to want to have it to be a big you know blowout like they even gave? Uh, uh, Freddie Mercury
0: right or like I don't Will they have the you know Her lover what was Robin I think Her name was like Mm -hmm. is she I mean Again you can't tell that story about Whitney Houston Without having her involved And is she going to be vilified Like it was in the Freddie Mercury Story that like it's almost like him being Gay was the problem and the You know that's going to (laughs) happen
1: You know I mean It's definitely going to happen I'm just more curious If they're going to portray I think it's Really tricky Films portraying drug addiction, I think, are really, really hard. Mm. Mm-hmm. I find that to be such a, because uh, they usually frame it as recklessness or like pure escape and not, it, it, not truly what I think addiction is kind of based on, which is like the feeling that that void and that need and that, that, you know, that's what I wonder is if, if they're going to frame her as an addict or frame her as like, oh, she's partying a lot and it sounds like it was very much more deeper. Than I wonder
0: that. the thing when you, the first thing that came to my mind, and maybe it's just it's the most recent, and a, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I felt like in A Star is Born, they can't, like, I don't, is that a, I feel like I understood, like, I didn't, like he was struggling with the disease in it.
1: That makes sense. And that movie actually, to be fair, from the very beginning, it's been about alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean like, to, to, to be fair, that one has gotten it right. Right. The whole time. That's yeah. True. Yeah that's also the irony is that Judy Garland was playing opposite, you know, playing so beautifully and truthfully in a story about alcohol- yeah. alcoholism and that ended up-
0: being- Oh, I, speaking of yeah. Judy and legends of the community, we need to talk about Patti Lapone. And you are the person to talk to about it. So I don't know if you, so Patty LuPone recently was on Watch What Happens Live, which is Mm -hmm. also sidebar, I am loving how everyone is sort of like a YouTuber these days. Like whether you're the ladies of The View or you're Andy Cohen, like you're, you're in your basement trying to like, or Wendy fucking Williams. I don't know if you've seen the hot. I haven't. Ben Randall, after this, do yourself
1: a favor. Wait, Wendy Williams? Oh,
0: <laughs> they're making her do her show because, like, they're like, Wendy, we got bills that we still got to pay. She doesn't want to do it. And, like, it's sort of just like a camera is set up in her house. And sometimes it's just like her eating a turkey leg. And she's like, I'm going to eat this turkey leg.
1: I'm numb, numb. going to wait an
0: hour. <laughs> and she's got, like,.
1: Give her a protein bar before she goes on there. So we're
0: waiting an hour. It's kind of just like whatever she's up to for that hour. That's what we're getting. Or like,
1: wow.
0: And there was one episode where there was like a smoke detector going off. You know, like it goes beep. No beep the no. entire show, and then halfway through she's like, "Oh yeah, you might be wondering what that is. Like that's just like my like you know, I'm used to it. It's my little smoke detector or whatever. But you know, anyways, I'm Eva's turkey like nom nom nom. Change that battery. <laughs> Where are her assistants? Change the battery. I think since, I think we're also seeing her still dealing with like her divorce. She yes. was cheated on. Because she also was a, a she was also a vegan and now seeing her chomp down on this turkey leg. I'm like, what's happening, Wendy Williams? So vegan. she calls for her cats. She calls for her <laughs> You as a cat owner, no. <laughs> they're not going to come. <laughs>
1: no, they look at you and go, what do you want?
0: She calls for them to come to the camera and she's surprised that they're not coming there. So we're seeing someone sort of unfortunately spiral during the age of Corona <laughs> live before our eyes. Anyways, so just watching all the shenanigans that are happening. Uh, but so Patty Lepone was on Andy Cohen. And what I love about Patty Lapone is she has no filter. Ooh. Like, some people won't, like, you know, because Andy Cohen also, like, he does a really good job of, like, he will get people to spill the tea. Yes. Like, I've been loving the back They're and forth. gossipy show. I love, yeah. and, like, they get really comfortable on the show. I'm really surprised what he gets people to say. Like, the Mariah J. Lo feud has just gotten worse from every time one of them goes well, on they that made, show. Well, he makes them drink. I mean, like, allegedly.
1: Yeah. From my understanding, but, like, every commercial break, you hand at a new
0: drink. And so they get a little bit looser. Yes.
1: Yeah. So Suzanne, it says, it, and it's shot at night. Right. So, like, the crowd is all drinking, yeah. and everyone's that, that's from what you know. I'm not sure if that's public. So, allegedly, that's what I hear.
0: Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know what Well, Patty Lapone does. it. First of all, this was shot She's night. at home, so
1: they were not serving her a new drink. <laughs> she had to do that. She was on in her own.
0: kitchen. She was just in her kitchen at like, it looked like morning. So, <laughs> um, I don't know, she, she like i don't know she just like called out Glenn Close in it that she was out having drinks with i uh, oh yeah John Ham and like cuz he was like oh someone was like oh tell us more about when you were having drinks with Glenn Close and she's like i wasn't she came over i was hanging out with John Ham and after she left i was like you better not fuck her <laughs>
1: which she had, okay so she has been on the show before and so, and, and was and was equally dishy you know, I, yeah. and so, I mean, quite famously, I think, because he made a, a okay. gag out of it in this episode, he called Madonna, she called Madonna a movie killer. Uh, she said she's dead behind the eyes. She's a movie killer. Oh, right, And so yes. this time he had a whole segment, which was like, you know, movie killer or not? And so she had to say, like, if someone was a movie killer or not. And she was very, very diplomatic, actually, for almost everyone. Gotcha. She was like, no, they're fine. No, they're fine. I didn't, I didn't see that. She was actually like, oh, she only had her eye, her her fire, like sort of so, so, uh, reserved for Madonna. But then again, she lost the film La Vida to Madonna. So uh, incidental,
0: right? And then I guess was offered the role to play her mother, and she was
1: like not in a previous doing it. version of it because it was trying to be made for like, twenty five years. Yeah, that that previously someone op- offered her to play uh, the one line of uh, of Ava's mother, Ugh. and she was like no. <laughs>
0: She also threw shade at Barbara Streisand, who's been trying to get Gypsy made for the longest time. And she said that Barbara Streisand was too old to play the role of uh, Gypsy Rose Lee. Well, she's she is
1: too old. No, no, a play of Mama, oh, Rose. Mama Rose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But she is too old. She's almost 80. Okay, fair. Fair. And the part either has a daughter who is five or has a daughter who is, I think, maybe in her 20s. Yeah. Like, I think the old, so like, it doesn't really, she, neither is, even, but actually acknowledge, I think that like, that there's technology nowadays. where <laughs> play Niro, but At the same time, you're still an 80 year old playing a 40 year old, it's still, it's still at some point. Um, did you know on this kind of topic that for the Irishman, there was a, um, a movement director, if you will, whose sole responsibility was to, was to help um, uh, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro act like they're in their really things. because it's that's that's what I think that that is what I think a little bit what Patty was trying to say was that you can look younger, but when you're in your 70s, you're right. in your 70s. You don't move like someone mm-hmm. in their 30s. You don't respond to things. You don't behave right. the same way yeah. at all. And so it would take a. She was. I, I think she was kind of. She said that she felt that maybe she wouldn't have the hunger of the part. Like, and you know, I'm not sure. I guess she, she probably reacted it, but like. I think maybe she just meant the the physicality or something, you know. Um, because you can change the appearance, right. but people who are 80 don't act like people who it's are... It's true. 80. There's
0: also, like, a, a mentality that you also have to put yourself into yeah. as well. Like, the same when um, I was 29 and still being able to play a high schooler. Thanks, Ben Randall, for casting me in Shakespeare's R&J. Uh, that was the last <laughs> time I got to play a high schooler, which I think checks out usually. By the time you're 30, it's time to let that go. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: And you probably were already too smart for the role. You probably already knew too much to
0: yeah, play the part. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, You're hands down. I think, too, the thing that was so shocking with Patty Lapone is that, like, I think in a world of filtered comment, she comes from such a world of old school, especially because she does primarily theater. Whereas, I don't know, there's a more freedom and liberty to just be more off the cuff like does that make sense like and usually now people are so because they're in front of the cameras and they don't want to upset or burn any bridges well I think there's
1: two things that happen in my opinion one is that I think she's gotten to the age where her filter is off and she's decided yeah, fuck it I'm gonna I don't mind my brand being the Elaine Stritch I'm gonna tell like it is
0: Sure, yeah, because she's 71 and also
1: looks amazing it feels like that only happened about like within the last 10 years if you go back and watch like YouTube of like her on Rosie O'Donnell in '99. Mm. Oh, have you seen a be that? No, no, I haven't seen. It. I didn't see. It. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, who knows if she saw it or not? But she wasn't going to start bashing. Her. Yeah, like she was kind of like she. She kind of knew. Mm-hmm. Don't piss off a powerful Madonna. Whereas at this point, she was like, "I
0: don't fuck it." You get to that age where you give fuck zero it. fucks.
1: Exactly, mm. and the people now who are who are hiring her in her seventies know what they're hiring. Yeah, and it's it's a little different. So I think that's happening. But you also put a you also bring up a point that i find really really fascinating and that is the current kind of especially up and coming um i notice that a lot with young actors and young singers that they have been so publicist coached mm. that they have no personality yeah and they have no opinion on anything yeah and they're asked and they're, they they give the most woke carefully constructed answers and i go that doesn't mean anything it's like a miss america pageant it's and I, I won't call out names, but I've definitely listened to listen to me being diplomatic. I know, but, um, it was
0: like Ben Rattle, this is my dirty this is all we do is call out okay, names. I'll call out names.
1: <laughs> I, I, I first heard it because I think he was, uh, I was um, I listening to an interview with, with Darren Chris on a Hollywood Reporter mm, podcast. Mm-hmm. I thought he was so good in that Johnny Versace. Oh, he was
0: series, ph- right? phenomenal. Oh my god, so good. And I
1: was excited to hear his process and try to hear about what that was like and play, how do you play a homosexual serial killer? Yeah. Psychopath. Yeah. Um, more importantly, of course, the latter half than the former, but still, when you're like a non psychopath straight man. Yeah, like, totally. That's a lot of things to leap through. Mm, lots and loops. his answer was bullshit. Mm. His answer was just kind of like, well, you know. Uh, And he just gave some answer about like, I feel so honored that LGBTQ community would be like shut up and answer the question.
0: Yeah. Like like, what's your process? What did you do? Go, how did you go deep? Talk
1: about it. (laughs) Say it was hard. It was weird. I know. Maybe if it was easier, if I would have been a gay actor, I would have been fine. Like, like it was so you, he'd been coached. It was so obvious the answer was coached because he was like nodding to, you know, he's aware that he's heterosexual and that uh, he just was, he was checking off all the boxes and it was driving me crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Um, Because it was like, there's nothing offensive about this. Like, you know, it just is, I've heard it a lot. And you actually, I, I hear also do it a lot. And I, this is get pissed people off. I feel like Taylor Swift almost never speaks without mm-hmm. a publicity plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because every time I've heard her accept an award, I'm like, <laughs> this is
0: so. Where she'll shoot a documentary so you get all of her thoughts.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to say she's like, she is inauthentic or phony. That's sure, what I sure. mean. I just mean, it's just to me obvious that that she's worked out the publicity angle of the full night or the full interview. Yes. And then she's given she's even with her kind of connection with her fans, I'm not saying it's inauthentic. Right. It's just clearly been designed to make the fans feel included when you're like, You're not really included.
0: Well, I am not really
1: you. But now it's it, it clearly been designed to feel this way.
0: Well, and and then in some ways though, I think as us as the spectators who are taking it in, and based on our reactions. I think maybe no wonder that people are so polished because when people step in it, we are, yes. can be so unforgiving. It's like, put the torches down people. I, yes. So for instance, uh, so Jeff Goldblum recently, loving these transitions, right?
1: That's a great transition. <laughs> I saw it coming and I was like, let's do it. Let's have it.
0: Video games. Video games.
1: Video games you like them
0: maybe you wish you had more time for them maybe you want to know the best ones to play maybe
1: you want to know what happens to mario when he dies (laughs) in that case you should check out triple click it's a brand new podcast about video games a podcast about video games but i don't have time for that sure you do once a week, kickback as three video game experts give you everything from critical takes
0: on the hottest new releases to scoops, interviews, and explanations about how video games work
1: to fascinating and sometimes weird stories about the games we love.
0: Triple Click is hosted by me, Kirk Hamilton, me, Jason Shire,
1: and me, Maddie Myers.
0: You can find Triple Click wherever
1: you get your podcasts and listen at MaximumFun.org. Bye!
0: So Jeff Goldblum recently was on Drag Race, um, and you saw—I only saw the clips, but you saw it. Can you walk the yeah. kids through what happened?
1: Absolutely. Um, so they had done the the runways, um, and Jeff Goldblum um, always kind of—you know—half the jokes of the night were people talking about wanting to throw themselves on him. Yes, that's kind of like his like his his very cool, very warm, nerdy, yeah, um, intensity. Um, and then during the the uh, portion where they're giving critiques after the runway. He uh, saw Jackie Cox, who was in a, a, a hijab, um, a, a American flag drag look. So yep. it was like, I think it was like red stripes, red and not quite white, but like had a red and pink striped, um, and then uh, 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 over her head was blue and white mm-hmm. stars. Yeah, and um, uh, they were talking about the look, and he, I believe, I should have the quote right in front of me because that really should be. paraphrasing what he said, but I think he said, but it was something like,
0: Oh wait, I have it here. Um, he says, yeah, he says, isn't this an interesting wrinkle though? Is there something in this religion that is anti-homosexuality and anti-woman woman? Does that complicate the issue? I'm just raising it and thinking out loud and maybe being stupid.
1: Yes. And then I wish I also had the quote with Rue response. Rue responded something to the nature. I know to paraphrase again, Something to the nature of, but that's what drag does well. Right. It sends all of it up. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it it kind of mixes it all up and it, it makes fun of all of it.
0: Yes. And, and
1: there's also that's a, what drag does
0: that. And there's also a beautiful <laughs> moment when Jackie Cox responds to it of why yes. she, you know, isn't incredibly, you know, religious, but, you know, when she, she asked her, he's like, are you religious?
1: And she said, no. Right. And he's like, oh, okay. And yeah. Was, yeah.
0: And I mean, to me, I'm like, doesn't even really matter um, on that sense. But the like, what I thought was so beautiful was the response because you know, as you know, someone who ide- who is Middle Eastern, you know, really broke her heart with the Muslim ban, and so she was doing yeah. it, speaking to it. And I think, as as artists, especially what drag does really well is when it speaks to the moment and whatever way that that sort of you know um, takes on. And then, but the, like, there was just like a Twitter blew up. And Jeff Goldblum got like rang through the calls for, you know, his comments um, of it, you know, being Islamophobic
1: and X, Y, and Z. I Um I have a lot to say about this. Yeah. And it's really, and I feel like it could get me in trouble in some circles. Um, because I've heard lots of very people intelligent people whom I really respect um walk me through what was so problematic about what he said. And I think it's namely because we live in a country that is so Islamophobic. Yeah. Um There are also countries like France or the UK or parts of Western Europe that are also very um, Islamophobic. Um, And in those cultures, of course, you don't want to over demonize um, a religion that's already feared. So that is without a question, true and a thing. And so by even kind of referencing the most extreme parts of that religion um, in ignorance or in in, in a lack of knowledge, meaning like literal ignorance um, and saying, isn't that religion though mean this very extreme thing right um and then make and then and in, in turn making the artists have to explain themselves for mm, it mm. was something that well put it this way it certainly wasn't woke no no but the thing is when i was um all that being said when i've read all those things i don't find it bigoted right i find it ignorant yeah. but i don't find it bigoted and there's a very big difference i think and we need to discern the difference mm-hmm. um especially because um he was admitting his ignorance. He said it at the very saying, end. Of, I don't understand. At the very
0: end of his shoot, So can you explain? Yeah, at the very end of his sentence, he says, I'm just talking out loud. And, like, I mean, that's what yeah. we love about Jeff Goldblum, why he's so phenomenal sure. in Jurassic Park, is he's just off the cuff doing all of his... That's he, It's just kind of ingrained in him to sort of not yes. really necessarily have that filter, and that's why we they want him as, as, a, as a judge on there. Yes. I do understand that some people, someone was saying, well, you know, you can't just all religions are you have throughout history or still to today can be homophobic and put down women. So he's not including that in necessarily his conversation. I think he was just really bringing up a point and I, or just like having a conversation. what was so beautiful is that like, well, one thing I was at first surprised that they left this in there because I was like, I was too. You know, like I, I was like, man, it's so hard being a celebrity because the cameras are rolling and you step in it sometimes. Like sometimes you yes. fucking step in it. Sometimes the days are long. Sometimes you're going from shoots to shoots. Sometimes you're just a fucking human being who steps in it. And but, you know,
1: but, but another way to put it, I think I don't necessarily think this was a faux pas. I think in this, in, in this, in, in exactly that way, in the way that. He was ignorant and admitted he was ignorant about something. Sure. But I kind of equate it to if I, if, if you, if I brought my mom, or if I'm just picking some Miranda, someone not from the LGBTQ community, and I took them to a drag show and they saw a like a prayer number, we have Jesus on a cross and being like crowd surf through the audience, and there's like a Mother Mary, and this is an actual number I'm aware of.
0: It's um, <laughs>
1: like it, I think it, I was it, in that number one time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was in number. Um, so. Um, uh, uh, it would be it would be a very fair question for my mother to go. But wait a minute, mm. the Catholic Church is really homophobic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why are you all like, celebrating that culture? Sure. And I think it would be now. I'm gonna flag this. I'm gonna flag that that Catholic Church is very powerful, and Islamophobia is a, is is a very is a real thing. Right. But that aside, when we're just speaking of the religious terms and ignorance of religion and ignorance of of our culture. Um, That question, her asking, would be very fair. Yeah. And it'd be very fair to engage it with it. In fact, exactly what Rue Rue said, which is like, yes, but drag sends all of it up.
0: Yeah, right.
1: That's the point. And it also somewhat, you know, is subversive and it can handle all the thorniness of it. It can handle the subversiveness of making fun of and celebrating Uh, or making fun of the the oppressor while also celebrating the culture and the people that we love that are still part of that culture that still believes and supports a church that can be at times so oppressive.
0: Yeah, totally. That can
1: all be sent up in art and especially in camp and in drag. Yeah. So that level of, it's an opportunity, not just for explanation, like you don't get this and explain it to you, but an opportunity to kind of like tease out the art and what it does and like that's what it does. And so I kind of, I, I completely understand it that that it could plant the seed in someone's head that Islamophobia is only that, right? More so that than the Catholic Church was um, at some point in time, and now. Um, but while that being said, I don't think it's a, I don't think he was stepping in it as much because I think he was just from ignorance going. Help me understand this. Sure. Well, and There was an answer.
0: And I think, though, like, because we're so reactionary, we have our torches rip and ready to go. We're so on this, you know, cancel culture sort of thing that, like, we're not allowing yes. for the imperfections of human beings of just exploring and having a conversation. Thank God Jeff Goldblum Glo- Glo- said that because now we can have this conversation and we're able to have this yes. like, very meaningful moment. If everyone's so perfect all the time or trying to not set, like you know, I'm learning coding right now. And one of the best ways that I learn from my mistakes is fucking up. Like sometimes I just try to like, I'm like, can I do this? Oh, nope. I broke the code. Or sometimes I'm like, can I do this? Oh no, (laughs) it worked. Okay, cool. Like good thing. I tried that out. Like,
1: yeah. And and, and I think the biggest, I would say the biggest concession I would make to my own point (laughs) is maybe that person shouldn't be a judge. Sure. That's fair. It's maybe a person from that level of misunderstanding of how drag works sure. and like what they send up and what they um, uh, uh, poke, poke at and make subversive. Maybe they shouldn't be the judge of drag. Yeah. That actually maybe is the better question. I don't think him being not understanding both the religion well enough, but also not understanding why she's celebrating it. I don't see that as actually offensive at all. Yeah. I think if your mother asked that question, you would not be like, that's so racist. Right. You'd just be like, oh, mom, well, this is how drag works. Let me explain that to you. I think we all need to assume when people are being offensive that it's your mother talking.
0: Mm. And if your mother's
1: also being offensive and bigoted, well, then. Okay,
0: then we can go for then. That. Then call right.
1: it. But assume that they're not to begin with.
0: Yeah. And especially if they're on that show, like Ru- RuPaul's not bringing on, like, I don't know, like Bill O'Reilly or something onto the show. Like, you know, like yes. it's someone that is. And he asked a question.
1: Yeah. That's a question. Right. And I just think there's, I don't know. I just, I think we need to preserve it. I think in our, in our, in our very reactionary culture, as you said, I think we need to preserve the right to explain things. And it's also okay. If you don't want to be a teacher, yeah, you don't, you don't have you know. to be. She had every right to go, you know what? I'd rather not explain my art. Totally. Yeah. Go, she just said that. Yeah, totally. I've. You have a, no one's saying she had to say something. She's being judged and that's where it's a little tricky, yeah. but like, I don't think it was inherently offensive to ask an artist I'm understanding your connection because my understanding of this is that, right? And I don't think, and so I don't think that's inherently offensive.
0: And I definitely have been in moments when I don't have the energy to be the teachable black mm-hmm. man, and I'm just like, listen, I'm yeah. not going to explain racism to you. There are plenty of resources out there for you. And there are some moments when I, you know, to- totally, I totally am. I, I think, you know, excuse, something that with this Jeff Goldblum thing is, um, I don't know. I think sometimes we do need to be able to point out when certain things like do I uh, big caveat? Like I am not Muslim, so I don't experience, I am totally. also talking from a non-Muslim experience. So I don't know the pain and the trauma of that, but I am a black man who has experienced like racism on the daily and that like sometimes, so there's another, I was in a conversation with someone, there's a documentary about the Russell Simmons documentaries is coming out. I haven't seen the trailer, um, but there's some outrage because here it is another conversation about, um, the predatory after the, in the age of hashtag me too another documentary about a predatory you know black man right and I guess for me as a black person are we not. A- allowed to talk about the, the, the sh- failures or the shortcomings of certain things. So like in the Jack Goldblum situation, yes. it is a, a failure and a shortcoming of, you know, the homophobia or treatment of women in it. And and are we not allowed yes. to point that out? Yes.
1: Yes. That, that, that That's a <laughs> wonderful point. I think in every respect. And I think there's, and I think, I think Rue was correct in saying drag sends it all up and, and mixes it up and makes fun of it all. Right. And it also is fine to, for, I think it's very important also that we, as, a, as the show was edited, experience Jackie's story through the entire season is her mother doesn't accept what she does. I'm mm. um, mm. using female pronouns because of uh, Jackie as the drag queen. And, um, but like, um, but like, that's I think key here is that we understand that actually she's been working through <laughs> being proud of her work and, and being accepted. Yeah. So that's actually been a theme. So if it had not been a theme, that might be different, but you're right. That like, she already had called out that the, the very conservative nature of things, does it dovetone to religion? Who knows? Right. Necessarily or specifically, but you're right that we can call out what, what is uh, uh, where our own communities are failing us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that means it's a betrayal of our community. No. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, I got a message. But up. you're not,
1: but then asking you is not, is not bigotry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Someone saying to you, I don't understand what you did in your work is like, how fucking dare you? <laughs> no. Stop it.
0: Yeah. You, Stop
1: it. If how, you don't want to be talking about your work, you don't I, put yourself out
0: there. Th- you're right. Totally. Uh, yeah.
1: I, yeah. If you don't, like, she wasn't even stopped walking down the street. She made a thing <laughs> to make a statement and someone asked her about her art. Well, and you, we cannot be so modified and protective yes. that we're like, you can't speak to me about my work. If I to explain it to you in your ignorance, yeah. How, well,
0: Come on. When on a show when you know that you are going to create work and then have to talk about it. It's literally like it's she, it's like being in university. She was making
1: a statement she said she was. Yeah. So it was one that she wanted to celebrate her culture, but it's perfectly right for someone to say, fine, someone else could have said in uh, in untucked, Jackie, I think it's kind of strange that you celebrated your culture uh using using the hijab when you talk talked so much about like how your family doesn't accept you. Mm-hmm. That would, wouldn't have been almost the same question at a less ignorant way, right. more knowledgeable, knowledgeable of her actual um, kind of lived-in human experience, but still a fair question. Why are you Ugh. celebrating what you is, is oppressing you? And that's a fair question, asked probably more woke because I know more information about Jackie. But
0: I still could see the Twitter only from the Twitter storm still would have went awry. Um I could of see people are people are looking for opportunities to get angry when there are actual things to get angry about in this day and age, Correct. but it's not what's going on on Twitter. Also, race. one of the things
1: you can get angry about is the the, the Islamic countries oppressing gay people. That's something you can fucking get angry about.
0: Yeah. Are we still, that's to what get... makes you
1: so upset Like, wait, we can't talk about that. We yeah. can't talk about
0: that. Yeah. I was like, can we not, well, that's the same thing too. I was talking about before we got onto this, a friend of mine, I don't know how we were getting on this tangent. I was talking about the people versus OJ and how I really liked it and appreciated it. It was one of Ryan Murphy's best things. Um, And it talked about just sort of the nuances and the complexities of everything that was going on, Um, uh, you know, from the racial, the things that were going on race wise, that it came right off of the heels of the Rodney King riots. And um, I guess for him, he was just was saying that like, I don't need another vilifying of you know black men but i'm for myself it's like because he was talking about now we got the russell simmons documentary and then we had the r kelly documentary and i'm like yeah but these things happened our r kelly should have been canceled we all fucked up and they made a mistake r. Kelly, on what that about the black women
1: that's what kelly. I, thank so you what so we're not going to fight for them we, we have to uphold him so that he can keep a hurting and abusing women, they don't matter. They're disposable, so we don't harm him. Fuck yourself. I literally was, (laughs) no,
0: I agreed. I was like, black women are some of the most unprotected people in this country. Um, Can we talk about their issues? Like, we need to talk about them. And I personally have, you know, witnessed a lot of storytelling around these white male predators. I, you know, Ronan Farrow's book. I, I, there's a documentary about Harvey Weinstein, The Morning Show. There's even bigger.
1: Yeah. Weinstein is the like, Weinstein is the touch point. We all call it. He's the one everyone references because he was like, they don't, they don't talk about Bo Cosby. They do, but like not like Weinstein. uh, Weinstein is the, Yeah. he was the, he's not the scapegoat because he deserved it, but he was certainly the sacrificial lamb. Absolutely. He certainly was the like, that one's got to go down.
0: Yeah. And there's, you know, I can't, you know, maybe it's just like I'm seeing a lot of media that's touching on stories of these powerful men of many different races. And actually mo- most that I've seen have been of the of white people. And again, my focus is on not the black men, but the black women, especially in the R. Kelly yes. story. Or yes. I don't know what the demographics of the women were in the um, Simmons one, but I will tune in and find out because I am of the firm believer of like, I always want to hear people's stories. I'm I'm with you.
1: Isn't that, isn't this like a, Oh, isn't this a a, a W.E.B. Du Bois and Booker T Washington debate of like, do you only show the, the black excellence and you, you know, like, is that kind of classic debate that I think is valid, Mm -hmm. but I think it's, it's, you're right. That we're not only showing me too through the lens of black men and also come on, O.J.'s O.J. O.J., like, that was the tri- the trial of the century. And I think it's actually... the good. You're so right that the documentary and the Ryan Murphy series recontextualized that story to not just be sensationalist, but to understand Black people were not trying to per- defend him. They were in reaction to police oppression. Yeah, the Rodney King... <laughs> they were responding to a... To decades of of, of of police repression from the LAPD, yes, and this was like they felt their only way to have any power over the LAPD.
0: Yep, it it's actually a
1: story of oppression and like and yeah. powerlessness. Not trying to turn the other way or look the other turn the other cheek mm-hmm. on OJ. Yeah.
0: And the and it literally opens up on the Rodney King beating, and so you it sets the tone for the story. I also saw a lot of similarities between how Marsha Clark was. I saw a lot of similarities between what Marsha Clark had experienced and then Hillary Clinton, like looking at the guys through uh, 2016 and the election. I'm also listening to Hillary Clinton's book right now and getting uh. a firm understanding of sexism that I thought I knew. But I had like the story of Hillary Clinton is a story of sexism of yeah. it is literally the book of you want to learn about sexism. You follow the story of Hillary Clinton and you learn about it. You know, like I it's you get no credit. You only get
1: fault. Yeah. You get, nothing you nothing you ever do is worth any praise and credit. But everything you did not do is also your fault.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally, yeah. And the things of why like, is your
1: man cheating? You should have stopped that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were secretary to say who the fuck cares. Moving yep. on. And what, um, are you,
0: what are you wearing? What are you, like? It's still, you know, she has. She's like, I just want to make policy, but you, I, you're judging my haircut or what it is that I'm wearing yeah. that we just don't
1: do. In Sixteen, it was like, oh my god, how expensive that outfit is.
0: <laughs> Can we talk about Donald Trump's tie? For real? pants? How
1: expensive his Italian suits
0: are? Oh, yeah. Really? Or why his suits are so oversized? You know.
1: Hey, podcast fan. We have a quick favor to ask. We'd like to get a better idea of who you are and what you care about. So if you have a couple moments to spare, go to MaximumFun.org slash ad survey. There we've got a short anonymous survey that won't take any more than 10 minutes to fill out. Plus, if you finish it, you'll get a 10% discount on our merch at the MaxFun store. MaxFun shows have always relied on support from our members and always will. The survey will help keep the few ads we do run relevant and interesting for you. Again, that's MaximumFun.org slash all one word. And thanks for your help. Great. So now we are firmly in the general election. Oof. The primary is over. Wow. Um, feels weird because they are still having primary campaigns, and some of them are uh, elections, I should say, and some of them really matter. These uh, primaries we still have matter because we have lots of down ballot races and things. Yep. So please, if you're in a state that's primarying, go vote. Yep. Uh, but presidential primary is over. Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. End of story. Moving on. Yep. So now the question is. how do we unite the party um how do we turn out in the fall Mm -hmm. um most of the models and predictions all those things you're gonna follow basically have this come down to trump is not going to get less than he got last time he will probably get more yikes we are only going to win if we persuade some people on the margins try to like minimize some of that growth yeah and then turn out like we have never turned out. Mm-hmm. Literally, some people are thinking that the turnout might be 70% this time, and we got to make sure that last time it was that almost that high was with um, Barack an 08. Yeah. and 08. We have to make sure that our turnout is at the same strength and, and, and size as his was then, Yeah, and not let that, that turnout be all on their side.
0: So Ben, you probably might get to this a little bit later, and you have your finger on the pulse even much more than I do. Do you think that, though, in your... By projections and things that you're seeing. I mean, Trump's handling of the pandemic response won't do you do we think that that's going to have a hit in any of his numbers? Will it be a referendum on how he's responded to this?
1: Yes, and no. I mean, I think that the, the to to yes, in that, um, we might actually answer no first, okay, no, in that. The breakdown right now is that 43% think he did well. This is the poll I read this morning. Uh, handled the, the coronavirus well. 55% think he didn't. Reminder: he got 46 to, to reelect him. 40, 54% did not right. elect him. Yeah. So basically, broken back down into uh, uh, the split down the middle. Now, to be fair, split down the middle. I'll take 55 any fucking day. Sure. Yeah. Like if, we, if he can lose by 55, he lost. Fine. So yeah. Um, but. So, no, in the sense that we've we've now sort of – we've partisans this all the way out to almost where we started. Now, the reason why it's a yes is because that's not guaranteed. He could have – if he was uh, not so incompetent mm. and not so narcissistic mm. and not so corrupt, yeah. he actually could have very easily. This could
0: have been his FDR himself, moment. So,
1: run this whole thing? Yeah, he could have just said, "Yes, listen what they say. Listen what they say. We're gonna get this This everybody. I feel so bad that what's happened to you." He could have done the bare minimum. Yeah, and he probably would have seen like a ten point bounce. Yeah, in fact, he did. Right. People rallied than most. The governors seen. They
0: rallied around yeah. the flag. In well, in, but even his approval ratings, compared to if you see other people, other countries, like it's still yeah. not even as high. Of you yeah. know, and it, because then he
1: then he turned it into a. Donald Trump show. A thing about him.
0: Yeah. Well, because he, you know, not to just, you know, we're going to talk about Biden, but (laughs) not just be on a, we can be here all day talking about the failures of of, of Trump. But you, and you have, you talked to me about this. We've talked about this before of, you know, being the president, it's a job of service. It's, you know, someone who's an egomaniac, a sociopath, who's makes everything about themselves like this, especially in the middle of a pandemic, like you are working around the clock for other people. It's not them trying to serve of your own sort of needs and then not to bring it back to Hillary Clinton but like when you hear about her story like she's literally just been about service from like day one and it's stuff that like yes. I wish I had knew or heard but when you're just getting media intakes for the, for decades about you know essentially what a terrible person this person is like you get brainwashed into not hearing someone's full oh. story which is why I want to encourage everybody to like Always see like the human on the other side, or or do the work to go see who is that behind the curtain, because it's yeah we're just we're only getting a, a broad stroke of that person through what the media is telling us, but like there's a human being on there on the other side, and either give them the benefit of the doubt or like yeah, so find in out this who case, that I person think that
1: is. The, that's going to be a lot of how we're going to unite the party. Is is the uh, people who did not support biden in the primary which remember there were over two dozen candidates it's just basic math that most people's first choice was not biden that's basic math it was my seventh <laughs> i didn't even do the count because i you know Kamala was my first and then like uh just... and then but by, by the time it was started to make it my second and third it was like moving already and at that point it was landing on on biden so right um and uh so i think it now it's i think the the job of the party the democratic party and i don't mean. Um, the establishment of elite, because that's kind of a nonsense word to me, a, de- yeah. a designation. I mean, the party is in people who vote and organize as a political party, you and I, to imagine... What kind of presidency Biden could have, and listen to the policies, because this is the moment when he is creating six task forces with Bernie Sanders. This is almost unprecedented to not wow. just say, uh, say, you know, Hillary and Bernie uh, they uh, co- compromised on a, a student fin- uh, finance um, affordability plan, and that was their mm. big compromise package as they pushed out. It was like, look, we compromised um, on something. Well, Biden has formed with Bernie Sanders' team six task forces to work on policy. So basically, at the end of this, hopefully, there's going to be six policies that they have compromised on and put out. That's how a primary should work, is that make him right now, while he wants your vote, promise something. Make him say, Mm -hmm. you know what? Yes, I'm going to do that. In fact, a good example of this, even before this primary began, he saw the same position about that bankruptcy bill that he had back in 05, when he was um, uh, supporting it with provisions. Uh, It was the same plan that Warren was against, what pushed her into politics in the first place. Well, through the primary, after she dropped out, he now supports Warren's plan. He says, yep, I think that's right. I've heard it out. I think that she had a good plan. Now, you can can parse out, yeah, but he voted. But the point is, now he's saying, this is my belief, and I need your vote. So what happens is, if he gets elected if this is your issue, if bankruptcy plan is your issue, like like it would be for Warren, the second he (laughs) starts going against it, she can make all the noise in the world and say you're breaking your promise, which there is no bigger uh, cardinal sin in politics than someone getting called out for breaking a campaign promise.
0: Hands down. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, is like, you know, I think after the dust has settled, I mean, I was, uh, Warren and Kamala were definitely my, you know, top picks. And, I've, there's so much feelings and passions that go into it. And it is so high stakes. I think, especially for those of us, I mean, I'm sure on the other side, on the right, it's very high stakes for them as well. Cause they feel like they're losing their, I don't know what they're losing. I don't know. But for them, they feel like they're losing something. Um, for the rest of us, we're just trying to get equity. And at the end of the day, we all want the same thing, just different roads to sort of get there. But it, it, it feels, it becomes sort of like, you know, a, 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 a sports where it's like oh my team didn't make Mm -hmm. it into the super bowl and we have to it has to be larger than then the person yeah. has to be about what were you actually fighting for? And now, when I look at, at the end of the day, we had such a beautiful, amazing primary. Yes. Oh, my gosh. The ideas that were discussed that are being taken on, like even universal basic income, there's local people running for local government who are championing a UBI for their local government. Or that during this pandemic, we're talking about UBIs, that there should be one. Or we were talking about Marion Williamson. She brought reparations to the table. We were not talking about that until she talked about it and then we all had to, every candidate had to comment on it. The black female mortality rate that Kamala Harris brought up, that like all of these policies and ideas are on the table and like you were saying, it's our job to, Joe Biden has, he understands how government works and he has to answer to the people, right? Like he's not, And what's your other option? You think Trump's gonna listen to you? Like, there's a reason why we've not seen a Black Lives Matter protest in the last three years. It's not safe. Correct. We could do it before. We could raise these questions. We could push our government to be more progressive. Right now, we're all just trying to stay alive. Correct. You know.
1: Correct. And I think so. There's two articles that came out that I think really speak to what you were you were saying. One is by Michelle Goldberg in the New York Times, an opinion article, Um, and it's called "A Biden Presidency Could Be Better Than Progressives Think." And she basically is just kind of listing through all of the progressive policies that are way to the left than anything Obama or Hillary uh, were pushing for in their uh, elections before, which is um, uh, calling for a $15 federal minimum wage, um, cracking down on companies like Uber, who are uh, misclassifying full-time workers as independent contractors, um, expanding federal uh, labor protections to farm workers and domestic workers. Huge. That's a huge, huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. He uh, endorsed uh, Warren's bankruptcy plan, as I mentioned. Um, also yeah. embraced a lot of her tuition-free college for families that earn less than $125,000. Um, his climate plan is way to the left of what Obama was proposing even in his second uh, term, uh, namely a net zero emissions by 2050. Um, yeah. Already, those are a yeah. lot of progressive things, and you may want to sure. go further than that, but let me tell you, it ain't the status quo, because the status quo right now on all those things is isn't that, yeah. is Trump and it's terrifying.
0: Well, and also what I like about some of those two is I, I think when we sort of there's something about I feel like I've grown up and I've grown up a lot in like the last sort of four years of really understanding how to marry my progressive activism with how politics actually really work yeah. and how to actually get sort of wins on those right and so it's even certain things of like you know when we say before it was like yeah there should be free college for all really does everybody really need free college like rich kids don't need that and like we're would be including them in the budget mm-hmm. of that so i like that there's sort of a, a cap and a limit on that and it's sort of just sort of navigating sort of the best on those. And I do give snaps to uh the Biden campaign because they're this is a hard time to be able to try to like campaign. And the creative things that they've been doing, I think that they happen like I get a I think they happen like on at noon or something. But like he did a town hall with Al Gore about the environment. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Something that it was so reassuring to hear one sad because like damn Al Gore could have been president, <laughs> or well he, yeah. won. he won, you yeah. know. But hearing them not only talk about. I the environment, but they're talking about like how it and uh, like racial justice around the environment, right? Yeah. So they're and you don't always hear candidates also talking about the intersectionalities of any issue that you talk about. There's an intersectional component of that, and just hearing leadership talk about that. One, even my mom was listening, and she's not too heavy into politics. Like she was like, "Whoa, this is a change." I couldn't imagine Trump's people having a conversation like this, and. Two, it reminds me of like why Southern black leadership really rallied behind sort of a Joe Biden because it's someone who understands a lot of the complexities of it and can also like really get the wins because yes. some of, you know, I've been having... I'm so tired, Ben Randall. I have been having the most annoying conversations with white liberal men specifically. Some white liberal ladies, but their most part, they're straight and they're white. And they want to talk to me about the revolution. Mm -hmm. And it's so frustrating. And this is the PSA to all y'all out there. When you want to try to talk to someone about the revolution, especially through social media, just check and see who you're talking to. And be like, oh wait, no, this is a black guy. I don't need to talk to him about the revolution, right? Like, some folks have been at this from for generations and Mm -hmm. centuries. Like, I have ancestors who've been fighting these fights for the longest time. And you know, we could have been past a lot of these issues if y'all's peoples and ancestors had joined us. We've been at this game. We've been at it, and and sometimes there's compromise that has to happen. We understand how to navigate that because. We can't afford. Some people can't afford another four years of, of Trump. It just is, would be too dangerous. And if you can, then that speaks to the privilege that honestly, another four years probably won't affect your life of Trump. But for some of us, it'd be devastating. And also, I
1: think that one of the I think it's I think it's helpful to reduce it from uh, what I call uh, fantasy football talk of going like mm-hmm. um, talking about policies in the largest terms. Um, revolution, uh, Medicare for all, these like huge, like if it's not, we're speaking of it in such an abstract that I go, okay, wait a Mm. minute. Pick one policy. Pick one thing. (laughs) Just talk about one policy. And I just want to say, what would you like to get done in the next four years? What can Mm -hmm. get done in the next Mm. four years? Not Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in 25, not in some fantasy football world, in four years. How do you move the ball on that one issue? And then ask yourself yourself, In this election, where does it move? Here's a good example just fine on, Mm -hmm. on, uh, on, we'll just say healthcare. Well, any bill that anyone would pass on the left would be put towards the Supreme Court. We basically know that because Obama, uh, the ACA has gone to the Supreme Court twice now. So we know any bill would go, they'd find a way to lob it up to the Supreme Court. Well, let's talk about the Supreme Court. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is 84. Uh. Dear she did cancer, what, like two or three times now?
0: Ugh, can we give
1: her a break? Can we give her a break? <laughs> uh, uh, Stephen Breyer is 81. We have two justices on the left oh. in their 80s. So ah. if we lose this, we may have a 6-3 or 7-2 conservative court. And if people think-
0: We lose that for our generation. For
1: generation. If people think that's for four years, it's not. You know, the oldest conservative judge, 71. Wow. So they're not going anywhere for at nope. least another what ten years? Yeah.
0: yeah. So that
1: means so if you lose this next four year cycle, it may not even be the next cycle. Right. It may not even be the next cycle before we get to change one, one. from that six, three, seven, two. Right. So to even
0: just inch it back to, to a inch it balance. back to, and I yeah. think it's
1: because in our whole lives. We've lived in a 5.4. Because that's what they talk about when they speak about generationals. It's not that like it's always going to be uh, exactly that same makeup of 5'4, but in general, because of the way the math works, and because yeah. now especially uh, presidents are choosing younger and younger justices, that the way that this <laughs> is worked, it's just true. Um, yeah, they clever. <laughs>
0: They're like, clever. oh, um, she's 20. Let's get her in. Uh. Yeah.
1: So on this one issue... When you were thinking about about the fall, you're not going to get anywhere progressive. If you're thinking, well, Biden's going to lose and then AOC is going to run, and she's going to win them up great with a 7 2 Supreme Court. Yeah.
0: She's well, getting nothing
1: done. You're waiting until.
0: You're waiting till then. And it's, I mean, it's putting a lot of gamble. And again, I feel like a person would be able to afford that sort of a, a, a gamble because it's even assuming that we will have, I don't know that we'll have another election you, after this. And exactly I absolutely—I right. don't mean right. to be fear mongering, but it's me telling you the truth because, you know, Michael Moore said this at the end of his documentary Fahrenheit eleven nine. And when Michael Moore speaks, I tend to listen because he tends to be right about a lot of things. and, it's true. We, you know, dictatorships don't just happen overnight. Like you can see the way that it, it's, it's shaping up and I'm not going to wait to find out if I'll get that opportunity again. And also too, I'm sorry, but Joe Biden had me at like black lady Supreme court justice. Like, thank, Oh yes, we should have that. Like that's who I'm voting for.
1: And I think the, the biggest thing we all can be focused on, right is, is the margin. It's not if we should support Joe Biden, if you're a progressive, you, you better be supporting Joe Biden or, or you're not a progressive. Um, yeah. You're just in theory. You're picking a fantasy football team, but if you actually want to see Democrats elected because you want the uh, you don't want Republicans in office, which is pretty much the definition of progressive, um, then it should not be about just electing him. It's about trying to increase his vote margin so he can have a mandate. Mm. Um, I think another article that was worth mentioning was near Tandon's piece in USA Today talking about um, the lesson about Lyndon Johnson and Joe Biden for progressives in doubt, which is essentially yeah. that um, just like um, – in some interesting parallels, there were civil rights leaders who were nervous about a southern senator with a questionable record who would be stepping into the civil rights that JFK had begun. Right. Right? And basically, long story short, what ended up happening was he was the one who got uh, – he, he finished that touchdown, he yeah. got the Voting Rights Act. He got the Civil Rights Act. He was wanted to, to complete all these things. And it was not just because he was well-connected and a lot of that is, um, is talked about as Johnson's kind of like techniques of getting or the skills at getting bills passed. But in addition to that, he was characterized as a moderate who defeated yeah. an extreme Republican. And yeah. that gave him a governing mandate to make the large structural changes to address like racism and inequality. He also, of mm-hmm. course, passed like the you know the um uh uh, uh the Great Society with you know yeah. establishing like Medicare and like all these things. So it's it he was able to do that because of his mandate running against an extremely racist conservative Republican, which is what's happening now. So although Biden looks like he may be to the center or in a uh, 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 centrist compared to our field, he's, he's the perfect vehicle to get in there if we can give him a Democratic Senate and a Democratic yeah. House. Yeah, he is the perfect vehicle to get so much done because he yeah. would be it would be viewed as a repudiation of all of that um, classist, bigot- bigoted, inequal, and corrupt politics that uh, uh, Trump was running for four years.
0: Yeah, well, I've been saying this too for the longest time. Is he is our progressive Trojan horse? Like we can load him up with a lot of issues and stuff that we want to campaign, and like, and again, like he's he is noticing the times and he's moving towards the direction that the country is, is, is moving in. So uh, yeah, like and too, it's interesting. Cause I, it's the article, like I had someone who had said, was saying they're like, well, you know, Biden is no Johnson. And I think at the time, I think P- Johnson wasn't Johnson at the time. Like, Correct. cause we no look one, back at, you know. We look back and we see all the stuff that Lyndon Johnson had, you know, passed. And I think, uh, Ava DuVernay did a really great job in Selma depicting Johnson in a way that I don't think he normally is depicted. Yeah. The man was dragging his feet, did yes. not want to do a lot of the shit that he had to do. Cause he didn't want to put himself out there. And he was like, Oh, I have to do this one next. And, You know, but he did it because, one, he wanted to be on the right side of history. He knew this was the right thing to do. And he was pushed to do those things. And Joe Biden would do the exact same thing.
1: Both things are true. Both things can be true, that is. And that you can, that we're able to both see someone's flaws and herald their achievements. And in his case, like, both those things can be true about Johnson. In the case of Biden, we can say, this is all the places you have failed and the things I'm concerned about. But you have gotten this right, and I think you're promising to get these things right. So let's hold your feet to the fire and get you in there. Let's get exactly. you in there and hold your feet to the fire. And then, and then, right. exactly. Um, but I think it's most important that we give him uh, a mandate. We need to flip the Senate. That's really what this comes down to. Is If we yeah. hand in Mitch McConnell in the Senate, well, we're not getting anything done. We're just stopping uh, more abuse happening in the executive branch by a, a reckless president.
0: And that was going to be true no matter who was going to be running at the top. So the Senate was always going to be key. You know, whoever's going to be the top of the ticket was going to need to be, you know, we were going to be needing to work on the Senate. So what can we do? How do we get the Senate? What do we do? Yes.
1: I always tell people that too. This is a great line. If people are saying to you, I can't support Biden, I'm like, great, pick a Senate. Yeah. Pick a seat. You don't have to. If you want to, you can just go vote for Biden. I'd love you to start organizing and tell people to vote for Biden too, but if you want to just do your part and just vote, then adopt a Senate race. You give five bucks a month if you can. These are hard times, but you can afford five bucks a month, even a one time $5. um, I give five bucks to a bunch of different races is what I do. So um, right now there's a magic four. The magic four that we think are within our grasp, reminder that we need four plus the White House or we need five if we lose the White House to win back the Senate. And so to win back the Senate, the four that we think are attainable are Arizona? Mark Kelly is doing a great race there against McSally, and we think we have a good shot at that. Hinkenlooper mm. in Colorado looks to be polling really strong. We looks like we can knock out uh, Susan Collins in Maine.
0: Uh, finally. Sarah
1: Gideon. Uh. And also Cal Cunningham is running a great race in North Carolina. Mm. Um, so it's gonna be a close one, but looks like we can take down Tillis in North Carolina. It's North Carolina, Maine, Arizona, Colorado. That's four. Then uh, there's the next set. And if we have a great night, we might be able to take a couple more. And those uh, ones yes. include um, we we could d- uh, maybe take Georgia. Wow. Finally, yeah. um, Montana looks really good with Steve Bullock. He's wow. a great candidate, and they're currently tied. That mean two um, in a pretty red state of Montana that yeah. looks like. Um, uh, uh, we may be able to get Steve Bullock to join John Tester there. And so, uh, and as well as Kansas and Iowa also have some, um, some possibility, mainly mm-hmm. because if Iowa ends up picking, um, um, I don't remember his name. Um, um, he's awful. I want to say it's not Klobuchar, but, uh, 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 but it was, it's the former governor who was voted out because he was terrible. Mm. He mm-hmm. is primary and he could be the, the candidate for Republicans in the Senate, Uh-oh. In which case he's got he made, name he
0: recognition,
1: good, but we have a good shot at defeating him because he was not popular.
0: Ah, uh, good. So there's so that. Have a, he, love he's that got to he's got the bad kind of name recognition. Yep. They're like, oh yeah, yes. that guy. I hate that guy.
1: <laughs> so again, pick a Senate race. Five bucks a month. Subscribe to them on all the socials. So
0: yes, I want to highlight yep. that. Like. Follow these people on the social Media channels I have I'm now follow. like because Here's the thing too even just going backing up to the, the Presidency yeah. Donald Trump has a huge Social huge. media presence it's Huge he has been fundraising Since January 20th Of 2017 He has a huge financial lead We will not catch up to him But we do need to yep. stay competitive So even like donate I am donating Five dollars a month to Joe Biden and I'm picking six Senate Reese's. So it's that $35 yep. a month that I'm able to do towards these, you know, we just need to stay competitive. What's been nice is that it's not necessarily the camp with the most money wins. I'm glad that yes. we've broken that up, but we do need to stay competitive because of the messaging that, you know, Trump is putting out. There's a huge, huge follower. Also, too, I will say this following, if you're not excited about Joe Biden, follow him on social media. Yep. It will absolutely honestly help. I will tell yes. you this, Wasn't excited about Joe Biden, but now I'm learning, I'm following him, I'm watching his town halls, I'm hearing what other people are saying. Like, you have to, like, get yourself pumped up and excited.
1: That is a key, key point. We need to not wait for candidates to become viral. We need to follow them, follow what they say, and make them viral. Yep. You cannot wait for them the video to come to you and then go. That's so great! I've seen it seventeen times. I'm now going to share it. We yeah. should be making these people viral, especially because during this pandemic, we don't know if door to door registering for voters and like turnout is going to be possible. It's yeah. maybe all digital, and so it's going to matter. That's why. Um, that's why. The, whatever we can do on the social media's to on the social media's on social media <laughs> um, to be amplifying Democrats' message. And again, if, if you if you, if you are uncomfortable amplifying one person's find another but start yeah. amplifying people on the ballot in this in the senate in the house or in presidency and start amplifying their message and use what your power and don't wait for them to go viral make them yeah. viral
0: yeah totally well, because too one of the failures that we made with hillary clinton was we have shared so many negative articles about yep. trump and we didn't share anything about like her policies. I, you know, re-listening to her book, Ben Randall, I'll be honest, I don't remember what any of her policies were because I was just was so Correct. outraged about what Correct. Trump was doing. So we need to share out those policies and get people excited about And this something. is a great, I want to point this
1: out because I think it's a, you, you brought it up and it's worth mentioning. It was different with Hillary because Hillary even had secret Facebook groups, I know, because I was part of them, Pantsuit Nation, where we were sharing stories about her because it was not safe to post them on our main feeds, Mm. And if we posted them on Maine, half of our own friends and, and people around us would be attacking us, even during the general. yeah, We felt we couldn't be promoting Hillary because they didn't vote for her in the primary. So right. I bring this up only not to, to point fingers. I bring this up because if you right now are feeling like, oh, gee, I want Biden to win, but I think lots of people in my feed don't want that. I don't want to be talking about him. We fall right back into that trap again. Because I'll tell you what the Republicans are not doing. They are not afraid to talk about Trump. Nope. But they don't there. give a damn if you disagree with them. They yep. are content.
0: Yep. And something that they're much better at doing is, and it's I think it's also hard because the Democratic Party, we're such a huge, huge tent. And so we already wow. we have a big challenge, but it's also a plus because, you know, I'm looking at you're getting me really excited, Ben, because I feel like this could be yes, Trump was a backstab, but this could be the tipping point to where we are gonna squash out a lot of that last dying racist backwardsness of this country. This would be like if all those states that you just mentioned and some of them like Iowa and like and Montana, like we could be doing a lot of great blue progressive stuff in those in those states and moving the country towards moving that needle. Again, what can we get done in the
1: next four this years this election is Johnson versus Goldwater. Yeah. We have to view it that way. We have to view yeah. it as Johnson versus Goldwater. And we have to make sure Goldwater does not win. Because yeah that's we can imagine exactly what would have happened if Goldwater was elected is what could happen if Trump is given a second term and now feels vindicated.
0: Yeah. There are two Senate races that I am adopting that you didn't mention. I'm oh, doing yes. it for I'm doing it for shits and giggles and fun, but I am doing uh, in South Carolina against yep. uh, Lindsey Graham. Who, what's the name too. of the guy who's running?
1: Jamie Harrison. Yes, a wonderful and then, black man in South Carolina. Uh,
0: snap, snap, snaps, as yes. And then also, um against uh, Mitch McConnell. What's the name of the woman who's running? Uh, Martha
1: McGrath in Kentucky. Mom-
0: yeah McGrath. Yes. And only cause, like it might it's a long shot, but for me, I want both Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham to be. Having to spend time in there, yeah. 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 I want them to have to be busy. Make them if sweat. You five more make, bucks,
1: make them sweat. <laughs> make them put
0: yes, make them put money and effort and time because it also takes away from them being able to just go out yes. and campaign for the president. It makes them have to stay home yeah. and sweat it out. And
1: absolutely, I think that's right. So I'm putting those in there. So exactly, get involved in the, in the, in the Senate. Uh, uh, get involved in the presidential race. Really start promoting Joe Biden however you can. Follow him on all the socials. And if for whatever reason you feel like you, you, you're having trouble with that, follow him. See if you still feel that way. Also, pick a Senate seat. Yeah. Pick a Senate and start giving or start sharing. Follow them as well.
0: Yep no one gets to set this election out and I think everybody is so has such great passion and don't let that fire just be for one yeah. person like that was never yeah. about one person or a thing this is about a movement and literally saving our democracy this is our generation this
1: is for Ruth
0: uh, well thank you for our political news roundup Ruth. Ben Randall I am feeling excited and ready 2020 let's go There's the show. I always love it when Ben Randall is here. One, always so much fun, but it just always helps to make sense of the political weeds, the political fuckery of what's happening. Just always great to have Ben on the show. Let's address the elephant in the room. So... We talked a lot about Joe Biden, but we did not talk about the allegations about terror or read against Joe Biden. Now, we actually did record a segment about it, and as I'm sitting here in the editors' room, I've decided to not air our conversation. Not because I'm trying to sweep it under the rug, but because there's still a lot of unknowns about it. And I also think there's a lot of people who are covering it much better than what we are. And even the discussion that Ben Randall and I had, we talked it over and I just don't feel like we really added anything more to the conversation because there is just so many unknowns. And I think I was burned so much by the Jesse Smollett. I weighed in, I jumped in and had been completely fooled. So waiting to, for the dust to settle, uh, this show is coming out on Friday. Joe Biden is scheduled to speak um, about the allegations. Finally, he's coming out to to hear his words. He's already put out a statement denying anything that happened. And some things that, Joe, that Ben and I, you know, I don't want to go into it. It's the entire reason why I cut this conversation. Um... But there's not a history of, of, of sexual assault. Uh, there's just a lot of holes at this point in the reporting, and we just need to hear all the facts. You know here at minority corner around the board, we consistently believe all women, of course, yes, um, but also believe all women, and there should also be an investigation to support those claims at the same time understanding how difficult and challenging sexual assault and rape, which was one of the most underreported crimes worldwide, is to investigate on. So it's very complicated. It's complicated as fuck. We need to create a culture and society where... Um, It's easier for people to come forward when they have these, uh, when these crimes do happen. We also need to create a world where we just stop raping, sexually assaulting people. That needs to just, you know, stop. So it's just very complicated. And we're in the mud with you. We're waiting out all the facts and the answers. So I do, I didn't want to this huge conversation about let's go out there and get Joe Biden elected and also not address it. We are aware of it. We're watching it and we're waiting to see where all the chips lie on it. At the same page, at the end of the day, as we said in the podcast earlier, either Joe Biden or Donald Trump is going to be president of the United States. Those are our two options at this point. So one of them has 17 to 21 sexual assault and rape allegations. And one has one that we're trying to figure out what is going on. So it sucks. It's shitty. Hey, I fucking want Elizabeth Warren, but here we are. So I just wanted to address the elephant in the room. We're waiting on it. We're looking at it. So don't have much in terms of the fact check because uh, Ben Randall brought it with all those facts and those figures. And I am hoping to get my mom on the show for our Mother's Day episode that is coming up here. So if you have a question that you would like to my mother to answer... Tweet at us. You can tweet at us at Minority Corner. Or you can email us at MinorityCorner at gmail.com. You can ask my mom anything. Is it about parenting? Is it about what was it like to raise me? I we, Anything that you want, she'll answer within reason. I hope you all are staying well and healthy and adjusting to our new lives and our new sort of normal. And a big shout out to all of our folks out there on the front lines who are out there making the world turn. We appreciate you. We love you. Thank you so much for what it is that you do. Remember to stay home. This shit is real. People are dying, but we're going to do our best. Oh, if you're looking for something to do on Saturdays, Saturdays at 2 p.m., I am. I got a lot of requests for this. You all know I used to teach dance, and I'm bringing it back. So I, have got, I will be teaching dance classes via Zoom every Saturday at 2 p.m. from now until... Who knows? Um, And this month, every month, I'll be teaching a new routine, and this month we will be doing Dirty Slave For You, Brittany vs. Christina, learning the iconic choreography from Slave For You, and Dirty! So you can join us. I'll put a link in the show notes, um, or if you just want the Zoom meeting ID, you can email minoritycorner at gmail.com or get a hold of us on Twitter or Instagram. I'll make sure that you're there. Uh, The class is free, although donations and tips are absolutely welcome, but Uh, not required and yeah you gotta learn your dance moves for your TikTok music videos or whatever it is that y'all do on TikTok (laughs) okay that's the show I'm gonna get out of here be well be safe thank you all so much for listening to Minority Corner because together we're the majority I love you be well
1: MaximumFun.org Comedy and Culture